From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining into Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. I want to encourage you, if you want to hear God, if you want to prophesy, I've got a free PDF download available for you right here on the description and in the podcast notes, because I believe you can all hear God. You can all prophesy at the entry level to encourage, comfort, and edify people. Guys, I'm excited for my guest today. I've got Bishop Eric A. Lambert Jr., who's the senior pastor of Bethel Deliverance International Church and the presiding bishop of Bethel Deliverance International Fellowship of Churches. He also hosts the Christian television show Climbing Higher. Bishop Lambert holds a bachelor's degree in psychology from Liberty University, and he holds a master's degree in forensic psychology from Nova Southeastern University and he speaks fluent Italian and proficient Russian. Bishop Lambert is passionate about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Bishop, thank you for being on Adventures in the Spirit. Well, praise the Lord, Jared. It's good to be with you. I'm honored to be here. Oh, the honor is all mine, sir. You've been uh, in the ministry for many, many years. You preside over Bethel Deliverance International Fellowship of Churches. You have an apostolic anointing and call on your life. I know that that's that's some sacrifice. So I bless you. I bless the power of God in you. But Bishop, I'd love to know a little bit more of your background for our audience. How did God get a hold of your life and launch you into what you're doing now? I like Bible characters. And uh, my life is sliced up into different segments with a Bible character that really highlights it. My calling was more like Jonah. Uh, When the Lord put in my heart to do ministry, I ran and joined the Marine Corps. So while I was in the Marine Corps, uh, a lot of things began to take place. You know, later on, you begin to see the sovereignty of God. And what I learned in the Marine Corps made me a better soldier for the Lord because I learned discipline, organization, respect for authority and such like. But when I came back after my tour of duty concluded, I came home and I joined the church where the man of God there was just, he was heaven sent godly man of God. He was uh, he lived an, uh, an exemplary life. In fact, when he died, I told my wife, I want to die just as he did. Not one scandal in his ministry over 40 years, not one negative comment, because he taught us at the church level to love Jesus. Our church started in 1987. Bethel began in 1987 with eight uh, followers who came in and we did Bible study and things of that nature. And then it just took off and grew and became the instrument that I believe God wants it to be. Our focus has always been on evangelism, getting the word of God out to people and challenging the children of God so that they would become more in love with God, the person 
than the things of God, which can easily pull us aside. Uh, I married uh, my high school sweetheart and, you know, we've been together forever. And so from there, uh, we have uh, two children and the Lord just blessed us in that walk and in that life. And so now here I am at this stage of my life where it's important to uh, equip others to step in to the ministry. I believe that any person called of God should die empty of the anointing because you give it out to everyone else. So that's where I am right now. Now I'm training ministers twice a month. We come together and we just train them on being prepared to be used by God. That's awesome. Semper Fi. I'm a Marine myself. Ah, hoorah. From 2006 <laughs> to 2011. I was All right. a field radio operator with 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines. So I got ah. the best of two worlds. I was a Pogue, personnel other than grunt, right. with the infantry. <laughs> and uh, also a private military contractor myself. But right. uh, simplify. I learned Ooh, a lot wow. in that time. It made me yeah. who I am today. And it could help us you know, learn things to apply in business and ministry yes. and spiritual yes. growth. So yes. I bless you. And you were right about the fivefold ministry that you're called to, to equip the saints. How is God showing you to pour into the legacy that you're pouring into? Has he given you a strategy for that? Yes, there are a couple of areas that have become extremely ingrained in my mind. One, obviously, is the Christian and the culture concept, where our latest book, Cancel the Culture, is really a continuation of the first book I wrote entitled Christian and the Culture. The purpose was out of Romans chapter 12, that we do not allow the world to pour us in to its mold. In fact, many of my boot camp experiences were in that first book, how the core isolates you, trains you, indoctrinates you, cuts your hair off. They make you look like Marines. And, you know, there is a distinctiveness to that branch of the service. And so my discipline was that there should be that same distinctiveness in members of the body of Christ. The second thing comes out of Exodus chapter 33, which is the part where Moses tells God, show me your glory. And I believe that each child of God should be so connected to the Lord that they want to see past religion and look past dogmatic things and actually see the heart of God. In Isaiah 55, God says, my ways and your ways, they just aren't together. My ways are much higher. But there seems to be an implication where he, he hints that my ways can be your ways if you take the time to get to know me. So those two areas, a separation from the culture of the world and a reconnection with God, those are my focus points now. So I bring that to the ministers that we're training. I bring that to the body of Christ, that now is the time. I said, we don't need any more revivals. We've been revived enough. Now we need an awakening. We need to awaken to who God is. We need to pull on who he is rather than what he does. Yes, you're speaking my language right now, Bishop, about the awakening and about just what's going on in the world. How does this look? How does how can a Christian apply this? Because 2020 was a very polarizing year. Yes. There were things that took place as a veteran. Oof, I, I could see what a lot of other people cannot see. That's correct. 
as a Christian, we're also aware of the spiritual battle around us. So how does a Christian navigate through the current events and not let the world influence them? Well, I believe that we need to be involved. We need to have a voice. The Bible says we should speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. But we should not become what we behold. It is possible for us to speak up for issues and situations, but not allow it to pull us into a compromising position. We saw that with the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul was always sitting around governmental leaders, authority figures, but he never lost sight of his purpose. Even our Lord Jesus, Jesus would sit with kings. He would talk to rulers, but he never allowed who they were to change his mission. In fact, one of his greatest stories, he concludes by saying, give Caesar what's his and give God what's his. Right now at this stage in my life, probably because I'm growing older, I'm more relational. When I was first in ministry, it was burning up a path for the Lord, preaching four and five times a week. And then I began to realize that at some point, I'm giving these people fumes. I need to sit with God and reconnect with him, hear his heart, understand what he wants. And I began to realize all God wants is us. And that's a very difficult position. We don't know how to give God the simplicity of us. He wants me. And how do I translate that? Well, a lot of people looked at 2020 from a judgmental perspective. Oh, God is judging America. He's judging the world. He's judging the church. Well, I always felt that if God sends judgment, no vaccine can stop it. If God sends a judgment, you know it's him. But I think he used that time to isolate us, to get us into a position where we could hear his heart again. And I think out of that time, the church should reemerge with a more greater love for God and definitely a more powerful anointing to do the works of the kingdom. Amen. I'm, I'm in with full agreement with you there. And as Christians, as we're I think we're navigating out of what was 2020. There's been a change of administrations. There's been some massive shifts around the world. A lot of people use the word reset. Now that could be negative and that could be positive. In the secular sense, it's very negative when people have an agenda to take away a lot of different things, remold, reshape America even, uh, in ways that um, are alarming to me. But in a Christian sense, reset could be good if we're applying the scripture, but we're not letting culture affect us. We're not letting the powers that be rule over us because Christians have to, we, we've always been or supposed to be counter-cultural. That's right. Even in our social media engagement. That's correct. Now, you'd said something in Cancel the Culture, your book, that hit me where we can't let an argument on Facebook with a stranger affect us. That's correct. Social media is affecting people, but I also use social media for the glory of God. Amen. I've been guilty, just like everybody else, of being pulled into conversations where I'm not going to change this person's mind. They're not going to change mine. But my ministry is online, and we're trying to be positive. What are you seeing, and what is some practical advice that you could see that Christians need to apply in social media? 
Well, it's just as you said, we should use this opportunity to lift Christ and the things of God. Uh, whenever I go on Facebook, it's always to send a message of challenge and commitment, uh, you know, especially during the election. During the election, I think even God was ashamed of his church during the election. I mean, this is America. You vote for whoever you want. God bless you. I don't have a problem with that. What I did not like was the character assassinations against other Christians. I don't even discuss those things because it's it's a it's a personal preference. But this is my brother, my sister in Christ, and I need to be mindful that my task here is not to simply vote for a man or a woman running for political office. My task is to ensure that at the end of the day, Jesus is glorified with my choices. And I need to understand that the heart of God cannot be sculpted by legislation, and morality can't be sculpted by legislation. Hearts need to be changed. People are, they, they don't realize, Jesus walked during one of the worst times in the history of the world, at the Roman Empire, and he never spoke out against Caesar. He never spoke out against Herod. The worst thing he ever said about Herod is when he called him a fox. That was about it, because he knew his task was to rescue the hearts of people. And so my goal now is to talk into the heart and the mind and have the Christian take a moment and pause and ask one question. Is the world and the culture controlling me, or is the Holy Spirit controlling me? Michelle Lasky, co-founder of Fireborn Ministries, and recently many of you have been asking how you can partner with our ministry through giving. I want to share with you something God has laid on my heart over the last few years. I've had vivid dreams in which sex trafficking victims are rescued, rehabilitated, and they encountered Jesus. My husband Jared and I knew these leadings were from the Lord, but we didn't know what our part was in the solution until recently. Fireborn has just created a brand new partnership with Tom Stammen and Impact Ministries International, and we are raising funds to rescue victims of sex trafficking in Honduras and in the United States. If you would like to partner with us or give a donation of any amount, 100% of funds go straight to these life-changing endeavors. You can go to paypal.me forward slash Fireborn Ministries and give directly toward rescuing sex trafficking victims. Or go to our website, firebornministries.com and click on give to see other worthy projects we are supporting. Thank you so much for praying for us and partnering with Fireborn Ministries. That is some very practical advice that we all need to apply, especially in social media. There's so many platforms and, and things out there, and, and we could honestly let it drag us down. But one thing I think Christians need to take into consideration is that there are filters. Yes. Just because the person looks happy on Facebook and the pictures gleaming, their life could be a mess. Yes. So what can Christians do in order to help affect change to other people, but not get pulled into controversy? Well, again, we need to just stick with the truths of the Bible. As you say, there are times when the facade of happiness is presented on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, just to let people think I'm being victorious. But if we just stick with the simple message of Jesus, everything about the Bible is relationship with God. And then and from the Old Testament, it's with God. And from the New Testament, it's with God through Christ Jesus. 
And if we just stick with that message and preach Christ, because the Bible says in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so our task is to present Christ. You know, I, I look at the war that's going on in the political arena, and my heart breaks, not from the, the policies of the Democrats or the Republicans. My heart breaks because the church is not reaching out to those people who are clearly lost in sin, and all they really need is to be introduced to the Savior. So I've taken the personal responsibility to write a letter to every member of the Congress of the United States and every member of the Senate. And it just has scriptures from the book of Roman. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are no perfect people. What you need is just Jesus. And I pray that out of 535 letters that I send, someone says, hey, you know what? I need Jesus. And that would be a feather in the hat of the glory of God because we miss that. We become so caught up in personal ideology that we forget our mission. Our mission is to confront sin and then give people hope that they don't have to die in their sins. They can come to Jesus. Amen. So there have been a lot of different trends the last year and a half. Cancel Netflix, cancel this, tear down that. I can't keep up. I'll yeah. be honest. That's right. There's been this huge change, huge shifts. I cannot keep up. Christians will cancel Netflix for about a month and then jump back in. Right. Okay. Right. But it's, and they're being dragged down through what they're watching. It's actually, there, there are agendas in movies and TV shows. I mean, just blatant agendas and even flags being raised uh, that, that, is alarming to me. Yes. There's occult imagery and things, and some Christians see these things as harmless. For a Christian, what would you tell them about entertainment choices or even about trends, whether to uh, jump on the bandwagon and pay a subscription or to hashtag cancel? Well, I again, it goes back to the same principle. The child of God needs to evaluate the effect that something has on them. As you said, there's an agenda that's hidden. And I believe that the agenda can come from, as Paul addresses in the letter to the Ephesians, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness. Our enemy, I always tell people from a military position, I admire the devil from a military position because he's subtle. He's great. He's undercover. He knows exactly how to beguile people. And if you're not trained in things of warfare, then you'll never know that what he's doing is trying to subvert Christianity by changing the minds of the Christian. And as you said, we are now justifying what we, what we despised 20 years ago. The agenda of the gay and lesbian community is subtly being intertwined in programs to the point where we literally feel compassion for that lifestyle. And without even knowing it, we've been sucked into the cultural realities and we don't even realize that what's happening is the people are now accepting a lifestyle or behavior that's contrary to the will and the word of God. I put the blame, if I, could, if I could do that, I would put the blame on the preaching and teaching that has slipped away from the Bible 
and has become so full of secular humanism that we are now questioning the divinity of the word of God. And we need to get back. We need to have this awakening. We need to cancel the effect of the culture and say, hold it. As we did in the book, at the end of each chapter, there is a challenge. Avoid Facebook for 30 days. Avoid pornography for 30 days. Pull away from it. Give your mind and your heart an opportunity to reset, to come back to God and fill that void with the word of God and watch the difference in your life. Amen. Amen. You'd mentioned about the pull of the world. As Christians, we can't let that pull us down. Right. But we've seen high profile Christians walk away from the faith. Now, I don't normally name drop, but I think people listening to this are aware of Josh Harris. I've I've wrote several different articles about his book some years ago, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And then later for God TV, I wrote how he kissed Christianity goodbye. What is the warning signs of a slippery slope for Christians? Because it's unfortunate that we have Christians high profile, they fall away. But how does that begin so that say me or anybody listening, how can they identify if they've started going down the slippery slope and how can they course correct to go back into further, deeper relationship with Jesus? Well, the best example is in the word of God. Uh, If you remember after Jesus was arrested, the Bible says, Peter followed him from a distance. When you start seeing you're following the word of God and following intimacy with Christ from a distance, just doing enough to keep your name on the marquee, that's the first sign. The second sign, the Bible says, is that he warmed himself at the wrong fire. He started gathering with the people who wanted to remove Jesus, and he became close to them. When you start finding that you are connected to those who despise Christ, and you're warming yourself by their fire, you're going to their events, you're participating, and you don't feel any discomfort with it, that's a warning sign. And those two signs led to the third one, which is betrayal. He denied Christ. And we're denying Christ. Really, we're denying him by many of the things that we're doing. The world should look at us and say, hey, you're a Christian. Why? Because you're different. Your words are different. Your behavior is different. And that that takes me back to a a, a man I used to work with before I entered full-time ministry. I'm a carpenter by trade. So I worked with this gentleman and he came to me and I used to always tell him, I said, you're not only a Philistine but you're an Amalekite, a Jebusite, and a Hittite all wrapped up in one. And we would laugh about it. But before he retired, he pulled me aside and he said, Eric, I've known a lot of church people in my life, but you're the first Christian that I've ever known because you live this thing when nobody else is watching. And so that really blessed me. And that's what the world should say about us. When you go over to the book of Ezekiel around the 22nd, 23rd chapters, God says his greatest problem was that the priests and the prophets and the religious people of of Jerusalem, they did not present a difference between the clean and the unclean. And that's what's happening right now. There's no difference anymore. They look at us and we're doing the same thing. We're living the same way. Those signs that were exhibited in the life of Peter, you look at any Christian 
who falls away, a Christian or a follower who begins to pull away, you will find those same qualities are in their life. They follow from a distance, they warm themselves by the wrong fire, and then ultimately they deny him. Wow. When you first started saying that, it started opening up a whole new revelation to me. I'd never really seen it, the, the story of Peter, in that light before. But I, like Peter, am so grateful, and I know you are, for grace. Yes. <laughs> because even though Peter denied Christ three times, yes. Jesus reinstated him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. Three times. And yes. look at what God did through Peter. So I do have hope for people, uh, Josh Harris, others like that. Sure. You know, I do pray for them. I really do. Sure. And sometimes in Christianity, we get enamored with entertainment stars, rock stars, you name it, who come to Christ and we give them a platform within a year. All of a sudden they're speaking at all the major events, but then there are things that happen. I mean, they're human, they're, they're still growing and processing. Do you see any dangers in that? Because sometimes I think we as Christians get enamored with so-and-so just got saved, let them speak at our event, our conferences, our concerts, but then other things happen. We haven't discipled them well. What do you think Christians should do in situations like that? Well, I tell the, the, the congregation here where I serve as pastor, I am not going to allow you to place me where the Holy Spirit cannot keep me. So I don't endorse the celebrity and all those other things. My intimacy with God is more important than anything else. So I am the anti-bishop. You know, I don't like the pomp and circumstance. I don't like all that other stuff. All I like is for people to see Christ in me. And I think that that's what's missing. As you state, people get to a certain level and then we make little Jesuses out of them. And our eyes turn from the Lord and they begin to look to people. Corrie Ten Boom said something that I always recite. She says, when you look at the world, you get discouraged. She said, when you look at yourself, you get distressed. But when you look at Jesus, you'll be at rest. And so that's my goal. My goal is to keep people focused on Jesus. Unfortunately, the warning of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he said, don't let the world melt you down and pour you into its mold. That's exactly what's happening. First John addresses it. He said, all that is in the world is the pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. He said, all of this comes from the evil one. And unfortunately, the body of Christ is slipping into it because of the rise of certain doctrines and dogmas that are not spiritually directed, but fleshly considered. And so that's why we're seeing so many of God's servants become overworked and drop out and lose their ability to walk with God. Now, me, on the other hand, I refuse to let people make me their savior. I tell people on a regular basis, I've learned two things in my 30 years of pastoring. Number one, there is a God. But number two, I'm not him. So don't look to me to give you answers. Don't look to me to bring you deliverance. You look to me for instruction. And then you take that instruction and make it work for you. That is such good practical advice, Bishop. It would be an honor to have you pray over us, those who are watching, those who are listening, a prayer of impartation and empowerment 
to help cancel the culture. Amen. Amen. Gracious Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We know how much it costs you to adopt us and become part of your great family. We want you to know we love you and we don't take your sacrifice lightly. As we confront our culture and stand against the devices of our adversary, keep us strong. Help us to realize you called us to victory, you called us to sanctification, and most importantly, you called us to intimate relationship with you. Bring us to the foot of the cross. Bring us to the place of honor with you where we can hear your voice say, my son, my daughter, I love you. I pray for everyone listening to this broadcast, and I pray that you bless them and keep them, that you turn your face towards them and be gracious to them, that you would lift up the countenance of your spirit upon them and give them peace. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so very much, Bishop. It was an honor and a pleasure. What is one way that people could get more information about you and also your book, Cancel the Culture? Well, there are two websites that they could visit. Number one would be BethelDeliverance.org. That's our church website. The second one is EricLambertMinistries.org. On that website, they can purchase the book. They can get the information that they need along with other books that we have written. They could also go to Barnes and Noble's uh, website as well as Amazon.com and they can purchase the book, Cancel the Culture from those two markets. And we'd be glad to uh, have them do that. Hey guys, if you're listening into this, please subscribe and share Adventures in the Spirit podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, the Charisma Podcast Network, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also pick up your book, Cancel the Culture with Bishop Eric Lambert. All right. Thanks, Jared. My honor. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that Adventures in the Spirit encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. Subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.